And so when you go too far down that maximal strength pipeline, you not always, but often will create governors and limiters on your brain where for survival's sake to protect your joints, your brain will actually rewire how your nervous system contracts the muscle in a negative way, or at least negative for sport. It might be all right if you're just into general fitness and, and physique, but for sport, it, it can be incredibly limiting, right? Because that's going to impact how well you can relax and contract, uh, which is what, you know, the foundation, like Marv said, that most sports are actually based on. That was performance coach and trainer Matt Cooper speaking on maximal strength, taking it too far, and how that can impact the neurology, the contraction, and relaxation of muscles. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the Free Lap Timing System, Gym Aware, KBox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The Free Lap Timing System has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10-meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 121 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Thanks for being here today. And on the show, we have sports performance coach, trainer, and overall holistic um, expert on many aspects of the human body, Matt Cooper. Uh, Matt is a young performance coach on the cutting edge of the field. He has influences from the worlds of Jay Schrader, Marv Marinovich, Soviet sports science, just to name a few. Um, Matt's a guy who, uh, honestly, it's funny because both him and I have hosted uh, former podcast guest Darian Barr at uh, Rewire Clinics, um, and which have just been amazing, by the way. And but I didn't even know who Matt was. I I, I saw he was uh, his gym was hosting a clinic, and then I <laughs> I, I heard him on the Bledsoe Show uh, talking about uh, various aspects of training and performance. And uh, in just in that uh, at, in just in that show, I, as soon as Matt started to reference the neurological approach to training that he uses, his sources, all these things I'm interested to, I realized I need to reach out to this guy. And in talking to him, I realized he actually was having a Darian down to his place. And I'm like, wow, we are very connected. And we I'm sure we're on the same page in a great many things. And so uh, just to talking to Matt, I mean, this guy knows training, knows the human body. And as this podcast always goes into taking a much more holistic look at things, it's, it's always important to cover all the bases. And uh, if an athlete isn't making gains, if they're getting stronger, but they're not getting faster, their reactivity, on, or if their performance is going up, but their reactivity on the field is not improving, 
uh, we always have to come uh, and look full circle. So uh, again, if you've been around this podcast for some time, you realize that a huge um, searching of mine is is the uh, trading methods of Evo Sport and J Trader, which has been very largely a mystery of sorts over the last oh, I would say uh, 15 years of coaching or 10, 15 years, somewhere around there. Uh, but another big interest of mine that you guys may not be too familiar with is Marv Marinovich and the Probot X work. And what I'm finding is these those two realms of training are often more connected than we think. Both in, if you read the InnoSport book, you see some Probot X stuff at the end in like the recovery section. Uh, Probot X, by the way, is, is ball work, physio ball work, uh, stuff Nick Kirsten is doing with Speed of Sport and Pro Fighters. It's it's not just like like balancing like standing on the physio ball doing dumb stuff. It's actual like neuromuscular high speed movements that do have a balance and proprioceptive requirement. Again, if you've heard a little bit of our podcast before with David Weck and John Kiley, you realize that hey, wait, maybe a little bit of proprioceptive requirement of the exercise and not just overloading it by sheer weight and magnitude that maybe that could be okay. <laughs> so, um, it, but it's all neuromuscular, right? Like, and so uh, Matt is doing awesome stuff with uh, learning from some of these giants in the field and some of these people who have learned themselves from these giants in the field. So today on the show, we're largely going to talk about how he's using training ideals from Marv Marinovich and the Jay Schrader Evo Sports System and, and all the neurology that that entails. We're going to talk, as you heard in the teaser, about some of the neurological pitfalls of a max barbell strength directed mentality. He's going to talk about direct current neurological training, how you can understand the body from that perspective, and as well as how his training has evolved, barbell work, probot X, and ball work, what a typical workout might look like. As always, we get practical in this podcast. It's never uh, just about concepts. We always want to talk training application and putting things in total perspective. So uh, Matt is a man of, man of many talents. This is just one area that he is awesome at. And I've just had some great conversations with this guy. He's doing awesome stuff down in Southern California. And I hope you enjoy listening to our chat today. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Joel. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, I definitely feel like our um, our connection is no mistake. And it's it's amazing talking to somebody who's read like you know when i throw out rupert sheldrake i i usually expect for the other person to have no clue right or like maybe maybe yeah. i know that guy so um man it's, it's good talking about um a variety of topics and for those people who might not know who you are as well like can you just give a little bit about your background what brought you up in the industry and where you are now yeah absolutely so uh i just joke that you know i went to state school and got obsessed with strange stuff. That's, that's sort of how I got started. Uh, but really I got started when, you know, my, my sort of athletic endeavors wrapped up. I got into mainstream fitness. Uh, I went really far down that pipeline so much so that I was working for, uh, Hani Rambod who actually trains Phil Heath and a lot of those Mr. Olympia guys. Um, and that's what I was like working on more of the research and design. And then, uh, like for, for in that side of the supplement industry, if you will, uh, you know, direct to consumer and also direct to uh, vendor sales, things like that as well, running, running the company. And then in addition to that, from there, I wound up getting really, really sick. Um, and, and so in essence, I, I wound up having mainstream health and, and fitness protocols, which, which I sort of fancied myself an ambassador for, right? Those just absolutely crippled me. And then from there, I was left picking up the pieces, and it led me to things like alternative medicine, preventative health, 
personal development, uh, things that I was not previously just introduced to in my family, you know, things like meditation. And then at the same time, that also shaped how I train people. I, I realized that going beyond just the mainstream, not for the sake of it, but just to honestly find best practice, like that started to shape how I was working with athletes and how I was programming, you know, training, uh, how I was even conceptualizing training, nutrition, things like that. And uh, that leads me to where I am today, uh, thankfully. And, you know, I work out of Standout uh, in West Compton, formerly Fast Twitch. And I run my business out of there. I work with athletes mostly and some everyday individuals as well. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And uh, one of the things with your training influences too, it's so funny or interesting too. Like, was it was like a like a max muscle or just like basically a GNC type shop you started out of, right? Like when you were in your early twenties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, my first job at a high school was working for uh, a vitamin store in an outlet mall. Believe it or not, this is when I was like seventeen, and then I. You know, I wound up going. I was with Max Newton. It's Max Nutrition now um, for a while, and I was running, you know, that like some franchises there, along with some some other good people. Who I'm really thankful I met. So a lot of that actually opened me up to meet some of these high end strength and conditioning coaches. And in, in spite of the name, it really, I guess maybe the the ones where we were at, they weren't as like bodybuilding aimed. It was much more health and performance, thankfully. And so uh, I'm glad for my, I'm, I'm thankful for my start there. We'll put it that way. Oh, yeah, right on. So now that you've, you've been through the other side, you know, you took the red pill and you, you've been <laughs> through the functional medicine probably many times over, right? Like, but can you tell us like, what's really behind the glass case? So at the, at the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> that was always the joke, right? Yeah, yeah it was uh, any, any independent supplement store. It's like, what, <laughs> what do you have back there? You know, it's like the, for a while it was pro hormones when those were legal. Um, and I think that was more of like a, a cost thing. You don't want to get those. They're easy to steal and they're expensive. I think more than it was any, <laughs> any kind of mystique. Yeah. The little dropper of whatever, that's like 60 bucks. That's going to you know put your testosterone through the roof or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of those places are individually owned and operated. So I don't, I don't even necessarily know what you might be talking about place to place. Yeah, no, but no, yeah, no doubt. I, I, I always just feel like back when you go to like the GNC or vitamin shop, yeah, the, the, there's always there's always something there with the crazy name that costs a hundred dollars that that um that's more alluring or or secretive. But anyways, back to um, back to yeah, that's, what that's that your friend of a friend got jacked on, right? Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> or, or won swear. a race on or something like that. Yeah, I swear this stuff is awesome. Uh, anyways, uh, one of the things, um, Matt, that you were right away when you're talking about your influences and background when you're on, um, the Bledsoe show was your, <laughs> this is crazy. This is like crazy. Cause a lot of it, I mean, obviously the last, the last two, three years, anyone who listens to this show knows that I'm definitely like very, very intrigued by the Jay Schrader methods. And then obviously any sort of Russian training and you were mentioning that was a huge part of what you were doing. And then as soon as you mentioned Marv Marinovich, I'm like, I gotta talk to this guy, you know, like that's that. That connection, right? And that's something that we were just talking about how the the, the Jay Schrader work and probiotics and, and those types of things really have this interesting and unique blend that's, and it's all different from the norm too. And so uh, first thing we wanted to chat about today is, so what are your, what are your big training influences as you've gone through training athletes? I think we all start in like the typical, right? Like the, the 531 or the bigger, faster, stronger, if you will. And we all 
find our own our own way over time. Some of us stay there and, and make the best of that as we go. Um, and then some of us will push into, I guess, more of the neural realms, right? Like, but what are your, um, so what are your influences and how has that changed the way or how or has that made the way you see athlete or training athletes? Yeah. So definitely, you know, like you said, Marv Marinovich, uh, a lot of those guys that put neural adaptations above most structural adaptations, uh, or, or at least give them more priority than they're given credit for elsewhere. So Marv Marinovich, for sure, um, I've actually spent time working with, you know, Gary before, and then a lot of the people in that family I've either worked with or met, you know, I'm thankful to call uh, Nick Curson, uh, a mentor of mine of Speed of Sport. Uh, you know, he was a direct disciple of those guys as well. Um, in addition to that, you know, Jay Schroeder, studying as much as I can from his stuff, and then also working with him very briefly as well. One of, Again, one of his, uh, you know, disciples Garrett Salpeter of New Fit is, I'm thankful to still actually, you know, talk, rely on him for, you know, advice whenever I need it. Uh, studying a lot of translated Soviet strength literature, including some stuff that, you know, might be less common, some stuff that's more common, like Bondarchuk, for example, transfer of training. Uh, and then, you know, on the nutrition side, I would say one of your last guests, Rick Brunner, who I love, love that guy. Uh, a good friend of mine, Ryan Freisinger. Uh, who's, you know, sort of was the first one to tell me to take a lot of the cellular biology, functional medicine, and apply it to performance. Uh, another one I got a list out there is going to have to be Martin Burkhan as well. I mean, he's traditionally known as a guy who's mainly about adding lean body mass and burning, you know, body fat for physique purposes. However, his work, a lot of it can actually be applied in athletes for great success, you know, to, to do things like manage mTOR and autophagy. So you can actually, you know, build a stronger, more resilient athlete, but not cripple their health long-term, you know, things that I actually dealt with personally when I was uh, in the trenches, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so when you, one of the things with all that, those things too, and I think especially right in the information age, the digital age, particularly, and, and I, at an age where I have way too many books, I, I just clean. I'm, I had to organize my storage shed the other day, and I literally have like three huge boxes of books that I either read or need to read, or and it's just there's so much out there, right? And so, one of the things with I think Jay's work particularly is talking with all these people who have either worked with him or are familiar with his methods. It seems like everyone has their own way of of putting it together. In a way, that's like that's good. Like I, I've always thought that training should never be an army of robots like we all think for ourselves and put what we have to bring to the table into this blend of of working with athletes but how have you of, of jay's methods what are you utilizing and how are you putting that in with some of the other systems like the the marinovich work and and what you've learned from uh, nick kerson yeah so with jay's stuff i would say most people if you want to start in that and you don't have access to him you know, or Garrett directly, I would, or our mutual friend, you know, Dan Dixon, I would probably read InnoSport. That, that's the best broken down way to really understand that system. And I neglected to mention that a few seconds ago when I was listing influences. At the same time, I, what I've done is obviously I've taken the technology, right? I have one of the newbies, the new fit. It's the same one uh, Jay used, but, you know, slightly evolved, you know, version 2.0. And then I've also just cross-referenced that into the Marinovich system, right? Like his, his the other aspects of his system, like 
for example, uh, really avoiding co-contraction of the muscles on strength work, uh, and then combining that with something that Marinovich would say, which would be absorbing and generating force out of uh, sport-specific biomechanical positions instead of just, let's say, doing a squat as a classic squat because it's always been done like that, right? You know, on the heel, all the way down in the bucket, things like that. Sometimes it's simpler stuff. Other times it might be a little more out there, like really, really high altitude. Uh, altitude drops is something Jay's famous for, and, you know, I toy with those here and there. Cool, man. Uh, so, so I, oh, sorry. <laughs> if I could no, I was going to well, last thing I would say, it just kind of depends on the athlete and situation. You know, if you mean specific exercises, there's definitely a lot of that. But then from a program design phase, it's more like an evaluation of how well the athlete relaxes, not just contracts, is something that I've learned from those guys to kind of give people something to take away that's like a little bit broader brushstroke and not so in the weeds. And then at the same time, evaluating how they and how fast they uh, uh, absorb and generate force relevant to their sport yeah i i think i like what you said about co-contractions and i think you, you look at like motor learning and and all that and i think that's certainly a buzzword right and like i think a lot of it's something you you hear initially like wait what is that what is that and so could you explain a little bit about um avoiding co-contractions maybe talk about a couple common exercises and then some of the j or the marv work that in a way that we're trying to mitigate that yeah, absolutely. So basically just picture your agonist and antagonist muscle both simultaneously contracting. And a lot of times strength coaches today focus more on maximal strength development instead of shoring up maximal strength deficits for the purpose of being creating more explosive strength and surfing that strength curve, uh, you know, for like things like starting and accelerating strength, speed strength. Right. And then also surfing the force velocity curve more accurately. It's more like let's throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. And so when you go too far down that maximal strength pipeline, you not always, but often will create governors and limiters on your brain where for survival's sake to protect your joints, your brain will actually rewire how your nervous system contracts the muscle in a negative way, or, or at least negative for sport. It might be all right if you're just into general fitness and, and physique, but for sport, it, it can be incredibly limiting, right? Because that's going to impact how well you can relax and contract, uh, which is what, you know, the foundation, like Marv said, that most sports are actually based on. Uh, and that's something that, again, Nick taught me. In addition to that, too, it also can affect what I would call global muscle firing patterns, right? And and even some of the best strength coaches, people that are huge influences on myself, people don't really talk about this, at least in a way that's eloquently framed, but there's a lot of guys out there doing certain activation drills, right, for, for mm -hmm. musculature. But none of them really look at it in terms of global muscle firing patterns, like, oh, wait a minute, in the sport, muscle group X, Y, and Z is going to turn on. And you'll see guys do that by trying to select certain strength exercises, but you don't see that enough in the warm-up. And that's where something like, you know, the speed of sport or Marinovich ball work really comes into play. And that's why I think it was so effective in sort of giving you this nice uh, neural reset to also tease out a lot of nervous system glitches. Yeah, it's that's certainly something I've realized that just because you can make a muscle test week on the table – that's just because I can make your glutes test week on the table, you're going to run and you're going to use your glutes. Like it's, 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 it's definitely way more integrated and of a system than that. I, one of the things, 
that you know when you said the co-contractions and the db hammer i think squats is an easy one right and i i tell this um i give this illustration to people like and i mean lots of awesome athletes do typical barbell back squats i think it's more so when we just try to really push the envelope and and you think you you see that well why would you want to intensify something that's not your sport right like but uh, there was some study on uh, it was just like doing a tempo arm curl versus a, a standard a standard speed arm curl so doing an arm curl like five seconds up five seconds down versus an arm curl where you'd go one second up and when you went one second up the bicep was the agonist and when you do normal tempo the tricep has to kick in at the end of the rep to keep you from like hitting yourself in the deltoid right or like injuring yeah. your joint to, to protect that but when you actually do a tempo the the tricep activity is very limited because that you're not going to hurt yourself. And, and I mean, obviously tempo, uh, Charles Poliquin was a big user of that, but obviously for explosivity, it does have limitations. I think it also has uses, but that's one of the ways that I, I think about it as well. And then it was, right. act, it was actually in the Buchenholz method. This like blew my mind. Like this is one of those, it was, it was another one of those InnoSport DB hammer books and, and anyone out there too. I know that InnoSport website is like, very defunct if still out there i a lot of people email i have emailed me like the you know this with the sport book and the book i have all that stuff so if you if you're out there and you haven't um if you aren't interested in it you can shoot me an email and i'm used to having my inbox blown up about that stuff but it was this was crazy as they were talking about you do you use the amt jumps those oxometronic like with the band fast down and then you step off on the way up yeah, yeah. His, yeah. I don't necessarily use his name for it, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, even our friend, uh, he has his own way of doing it, but our mutual friend, Adarian Barr, does stuff like that too. Yeah, I'm sure there's a better name for it than that too, right? Like just mentally getting people excited about <laughs> it. You got something cool. Like something Sounds like you're talking about a car. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was reading, um, yeah, I, I don't sidetrack too. There was a, a book called The Cure Within. It's just like just the way you call medicine impacts how it and treats the patient and stuff and so i'm always thinking about that but like they were saying that like the vertimax right like we're all familiar with the vertimax and mm -hmm. he was saying that he, so the the emt jumper used the bands on the way down and to speed up on the way down but he's like if you don't step off of them at the bottom the problem is that you input more frictional uh or muscle into the second phase of the jump when that should be an elastic return and I read that and I was like, whoa, like <laughs> that makes sense. Like in this, in we, we tend to try to forcify everything, right? In a sense, like, and again, I want athletes to be strong, no doubt. But like when we just think force, 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 you mentioned like the force time curve and we just keep thinking about adding more resistance to things. I think in many times we're, we're putting muscle where it shouldn't be, where it should be elastic, you know, and there should be yeah. more of that static spring in the first phase of where our movement yeah absolutely absolutely and it also like therein lies the ability to customize it and personalize it for the athlete and optimize that length tension relationship right like if maybe if you have an athlete who's ultra ultra elastic but needs to generate more force in a certain position there might be some cre you know some merit to something like that where you're actually helping them generate more force and you know key at a faster rate when they're hitting the ground uh, or whatever the exercise might be. But at the same time, if you get an athlete who maybe has gone a little bit too far down the, the stiffness, uh, muscle gain pipeline, strength development, you might need to help make them more elastic. And that 
that is something that all these guys have in common. And what's interesting too, is that something that Jay would do in that case is let's take a wall sit, for example, a Garrett, you know, as well, instead of doing a traditional wall sit, which, you know, is probably going to maybe be largely quad dominant. They, and we, you know, I should say like, we might use the, uh, the direct current electrical stimulation attached to maybe the hamstrings to, and glutes to get a little bit more posterior chain activation. And that would, it's like an end range activation. It's where you're almost like a bow and arrow. You're creating tension along the posterior muscles to be able to generate force and, and create some more friction out of that place. And then you can come out of the pocket a lot, a lot easier. That would be something where if someone was too elastic uh, or, or kind of dissipated some of that energy, absorbed too much of the force when they landed that you could recruit. Uh, on the other side of that, you know, using a little bit more Marinovich logic, and, and there's room for both, right? They would look more at a structural adaptation in terms of a tendon adaptation, not just the muscle. And they would say, all right, well, you need to make sure, at least in your programming, even if this person needs to generate uh, more tension, more more friction, more force here, you also need to make sure that you're training the tendon to store and release energy, right? Kinetic energy. And that's something that you really can only train at the speed of sport. So I would say those are important. And then anytime you're going to load sport-specific muscles, like resisted sprints, things like that, you just want to be careful that if you're actually altering the way in which an athlete is performing a sport specific movement, you're not adding so much force to where, or excuse me, so much weight or resistance to where it's going to make them slower. Cause like Verkashansky would say, uh, you know, your, your brain has these sets of motor ingrams, you know, myelination. And, and when it goes to reach out and grab this set of instructions for that exercise, you don't want the brain to have pre-programmed limiters on there. You want all systems go, on like this like hairline trigger to be what's what's naturally there with that what's automatic we should say you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster yeah no i i that makes me think a little bit too have you and there's a couple of things i'm like i'm juggling like two things and well the things i'm juggling just fyi is um is the arp wave or or a uh, new fit and then direct current. I really want to talk about that, and then a little bit more about the Marinovich methods and the speed that which they're uh, um, carried out at. But I had you. Uh, I know you're having a Darian with the, for the rewire, which is another awesome connection. Um, and a Darian's just the man. And I was I, I've seen this with the Darian actually, but I haven't uh, talked with him about it. But I've talked with some of his um, uh, some other people who have worked with him as well about it. But like the heavy sled heavy sled work, but putting a spring on the sled. So it's almost like a series of jolts more than just and, and heavy sled work. We know it's good for the, the short acceleration, at least. And there's been good work there. But I feel like a lot of it's like the, the more of that David Weck taught us talks like the pulsing, like the jolt effect of it. And like this, if you put a, a big like spring gauge on it, you can actually get more of a, the vibration tunes it in a little bit more of like a series of impacts rather than the push, mm-hmm. push, push. That's a little more frictional in nature. So I've. It's kind of that's something I'm definitely thinking about or playing with, but I found bands are tough because you about if you try to do a band on the sled, it's it's just a you need a lot of resistance on that guy to kind of kind of get make that connection. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. For the start, like the the drive phase too, I like having guys do altitude drops directly into 
sprints or, or I guess you could, you know, do other athletic movements too. almost like the, the start of a depth jump right into something else tends to help them. It, it tends to help the movement click. I'll put it that way. Yeah. No, they, yeah. And, and just the elastic reliance for sure. Um, so yeah, tell me, I, cause I, I'm, this is stuff I've seen in videos and I have literally just don't really know what's going on. Like <laughs> I see it and it intrigues you, but you mentioned <laughs> using the direct current and because it does now that you say like it makes sense, but um, using and can you explain a little bit about what direct current is as well? I think most people have used like an EMS unit or had stim done on them and that stuff. Um, and, and I think I feel like you know the the neurological system too being the baseline of these these training systems. I think it's easy to look at the exercises, right? It's easy to look at low foot squat jumps and and the altitude drops and the, the vertical jump to a lunge split, right? And it's like cool exercises, but I always feel like the neurology was such a, I mean, the neurology is the basis, right? Like it's a huge aspect of it. So could you explain a little bit more about the direct current work? Or uh, I think a lot of us would know there's the ARP wave for those of us who are familiar with that. Um, and then how, what that does. And then uh, you, you said you, you, it'll integrate it into the wall set, which I think is really cool. But could you tell us a little bit more about the unit itself and the neurology of it and what it's, what it's doing and how that impacts your training? Yeah, absolutely. I, I first got it, by the way, because I, I tried known of it and its benefit. And then I tried it for myself and it, everything clicked. And that's sort of, I think, why I'm sort of positioned to talk about some of these things. And oddly enough, is like I'm just like everybody listening. I'm just a geek who really wanted to figure this out for myself and and my clients, obviously, to deliver best practice. And so I was I went around to as many people as I can uh, in the know and in various areas studied as much as I could. And then, you know, applied test refine the model, which, you know, you're always doing. So the direct current, you know, if people want to learn more and this, again, I know there's multiple companies that put things out, but I know that there is a white paper out on new fits website right now. If people want to get ultra granular, but in a nutshell, direct current is different than regular electrostim, which is afferent current. Direct current mimics your brains and nervous systems own internal signals. So wherever there's uh, an electrode on the body, your brain is going to think is movement, essentially. And so it's almost like you kind of hijack your brain's own natural uh, contraction or activation of some of these you know, movement patterns, muscles, uh, responses, things like that. And you can send in a, a much, much more information in fractions of a second. And so... Uh, in a nutshell, you can use it again for things like getting pain relief at the source, right? Like if you were doing like body work or acupuncture with it, uh, you're essentially getting like a little portal into your nervous system there to talk to it directly. And the way Garrett coins it is input based training, whereas most other trainers are trying to do what they can output based to affect everything in total. And so this is a way for you to like essentially attach it to various parts of your body for movement education, you know, like a lot of the stuff we've just unpacked um, and, you know, rehab, peak performance. I would say rehab has been pretty significant, you know, and I've worked with people for, you know, I'm not a physical therapist, but for reconditioning, um, it's it's been pretty profound. We're able to cut down their rehab time oftentimes by, you know, two thirds of the time for some of those soft tissue injuries. And then some of the people who have like ACL injuries, things like that, we're actually able to uh, make them ahead by as much as two or three months of the process. Wow. Oh, that's awesome stuff. I, if that makes sense too, like with the wall set coming back to it, how you mentioned, because I know 
I've tried to like get in the wall sit and activate my hamstrings and I'm like, I don't know where my hamstrings are like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing too. Like I invite you and everybody else to just get as creative as you want. Cause we're just scratching the surface with this technology, you know, and, and really these whole systems, it's your creative creativity is the limit. You know, like one thing I've experimented with is using it to stimulate fast twitch muscle fiber with someone who's bordering on overtraining, like some of the MMA athletes, uh, without, actually stressing the nervous system and the hpa axis you know yeah or causing excess joint stress yeah no it's it's and that's one of the things too is yeah if you working with the isometric positions too like just between isos and some of the the direct current work like how much can you do without creating impact you know like that's just the benefits the scope of benefits are really just massive yeah and then there's also other other things you can do too i have some machines like explosive weight training machines that help you absorb and generate force out of specific positions some of them help you move at plyometric speed as well um, those have been really useful as well just for either creating new moves new angles that are sport specific or like you said mitigating some of the joint stress of other ones uh, in addition to that too some of these sort of hacked isokinetic machines also have been very valuable in training neural adaptations without and then strength adaptations without causing excess muscle bulk accumulation yeah no right on so with it with that too like with the machines you have um a lot of the the, the neuroelectric training ideals what has um i guess what's what's been the journey of traditional lifting in your program like how or, or even just barbell work. So how has the evolution of barbell work in your program kind of gone throughout the years as you've started to integrate more of these these systems in? I still am a huge fan of barbells. I, you know, as much as this stuff is, is incredibly exciting and I think the present and future of the industry, I mean, there's still room for barbells. Like I'm still having guys do deadlifts, things like that. I might be a bigger fan of something like a trap bar deadlift, for example. Um, if, if done right, but I still like traditional barbell work. Um, I will say though, one thing that has cut down on that a little bit is I, I've, I've got this other, like this newer bar that I've been using lately. That's essentially a lot allows me to do Olympic weightlifting off the forefoot with folks. Um, that's something I maybe could put a picture of yeah. in in the show notes or something like that. But that's actually allowed me to mitigate how much time it teaches to teach Olympic lifts. Um, the athlete actually has their true center of gravity as their center of gravity, as opposed to having the barbell in front of it. And at the same time, uh, in terms of the neural adaptation, again, you know, from that fixed position off the forefoot, that's going to set off a completely different muscle firing pattern than if you were doing it off of the heel. Of course, if your sport is strength sports, um, or certain other sports, right? Um, still doing like some conventional weight or only lifting is is great. But yeah, I still I still lift is the the, the short yeah, answer to right, that right. after the long answer. Yeah, no, right on. I think it's always important to bring it back to that because it's like I think everything's a spectrum, right? Like everything's a grayscale. It's easy t for people to I think for people who got too far down the rabbit hole of of traditional lifting and, and saw negative impacts on their athleticism to swing entirely the other way or indicate as if they go entirely the other the other way right and then you kind of shut out a lot of people and i think yeah it's good to be strong but like 
it's just how you do it and, and what you select for each athlete. I, one of the things too, you had mentioned it was on the, the Bledsoe show was um, like deep squats, like deep barbell squats and getting away from, from that movement. Yeah. I mean, I, I love those for myself, right. But I'm just doing it for everyday fitness and <clears throat> you know, <laughs> not going in reverse at this point. But for my athlete, I think that that's one of the positions that's going to cause the brain to produce the greatest amount of co-contraction and limiters on the body because it thinks it's actually protecting it. Uh, and if your brain thinks that there's a threat, it will prioritize survival over performance, right? There's a protect yes. to perform continuum. And so we want to do everything we can to train the athlete to, it's naturally going to protect itself no matter what. So oftentimes it's just about removing these limiters and then allowing the athlete to express that potential that's already inside, right? Like I've seen some basketball players come back from injury and their vertical is not what they thought it was. You know, maybe they'll have like a 20 inch vertical or something like that. And then part of it is because the brain still thinks there's kind of this neurological ghost in the machine. It thinks that they're actually not going to be able to survive the impact of playing. And so what we might do is, use the uh, direct current electro stem and put it over you know the relevant you know musculature for the movement the given movement and then do something like an altitude drop like reverse engineer the vertical drum and then train the brain to let it know that oh, okay you know we're not going to harm these muscles we're not going to harm ourselves. and then all of a sudden that vertical goes right up just with something as simple as that yeah that's crazy like and just how much knowing just how much our nervous system has to output right and 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 how much are the, how many limiters there are i it reminds me of that one there's that one like it's kind of a this cryptic evo sport video where someone arp waves and improves their standing broad jump by um like six or seven inches in two minutes and it's like i i mean i believed it you know i saw it but it's it's nice to have a little bit more of an explanation of some reasons that that might um you know that that would be that that would work i think because otherwise people just see it and it's like you know it's a, it's in the magic or the voodoo um, yeah world and there's no explanation so people would be more ready to dismiss it right right and then you know of course somebody can also eat to express their nervous system as well you know they can supplement and diet in a way that not just affects muscle growth and lean body mass towards optimal health but you know which is a podcast in and of itself but at the same time you can actually do that for the sake of uh best expressing your nervous system as well and you know that's rick brunner got into a lot of that to be fair yeah no i, I think i mean everything uh the holistic look like every aspect that could be a factor i'm always really interested in uh cool well, that's yeah and i would i think that's fascinating too you said about the deep squat because i mean the deep squat's like the sacred cow right but then but <laughs> even something like just as looking as simple as differences in hip structure like you know the the chinese olympic weightlifter who has hip sockets that let him drop to the bottom of a squat like no problem, probably doesn't have that many co-contractions. But then someone who's got like the long-legged high jumper is going to be co-contraction central probably two-thirds of the way down. You know, like it's – I always felt like um, – I always felt like I even back in high school, uh, just being – just not having the resources and just being forced to be intuitive, I always found that if I did deep back squats for a period of time that – my sprinting and single leg jumping and everything that was really elastic was going to go down. Like it was going to get worse. And then I would stop and it would get better. And, but I was always like, there's just something about the deep squat that, and I never could put my finger on why it was, you know, and maybe it's a few factors, but I always link that with, you know, preparation, but it's not athletic. Like there's something that is not, 
athletic about this and I have to kind of use it selectively to, you know, I have to get the, the, the medicine and I'll take the poison and then I'll get the poison out later and, and those types of things. But obviously the more you know about training, the more you can select base training means that aren't going to set you up with those right off the bat as well. Those co-contractions and those things. Yeah, I, I feel you too. Uh, you know, I think that's where some testing, simple testing and retesting, guess and check comes into play. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I like um, something Paul Check had said too. He's like, your body adapts. You talked about like stress and, and survival. And he had said your body adapts to whatever the most stressful thing in the workout was from a survival perspective. Like that's what your body's going to adapt to that day. And mm-hmm. I, I, I always like thinking about that, especially if you know, I get athletes who tend to... Um, put uh if we are doing barbell work and they tend to prioritize the weight over uh performance of it well it's like well you're gonna get what you adapt you're, you're gonna adapt to what you get you know you're gonna yeah and that's the best way to ruin something like contrast training right which classically is putting a an explosive strength movement and pairing it with some sort of unloaded or maybe even overspeed plyometric it's like if you're going too heavy on the weight or you're going till failure on the weight you know, you're really depleting your, it's a high CNS cost, Mm -hmm. right? And you're not going to be able to translate that into something explosive enough in terms of an adaptation in that subsequent movement. So you actually, if you do it wrong, you execute it wrong, you can make post-activation potentiation, aka contrast training, uh, deleterious instead of beneficial. Interesting. I I totally agree with that. Now that you mentioned that too, some of the best contrast training I've ever done was just stuff as simple as, as cleans with the velocity meter and, and fast and then bounding. And that's like, I yeah. mean, I get a way better response from that in many cases than like, or than I ever would from like a, a really heavy or like a really heavy hex bar deadlift and doing the same thing or a heavy squat or something like that. It's just that cause the position's always better. Position's always there, you know, like the J Strader world and not getting the, not getting the the survival get a performance response or get a performance stimulus not a survival stimulus out of your your heavy um, potentiating movement right yeah exactly and um, like yeah can't can't say it any more eloquent than that so i won't <laughs> well you put you put the idea in my head so i i love it that's uh that's that's cool man i like it a lot um, all right so I, I i'm gonna catch one of the mental balls i was trying to juggle here and uh talk about a little bit about the marvin marinovich work and and when you learn from nick kirsten and like moving at the speed of the sport you had mentioned and talking so chat a little bit about some of the the marvin marinovich some of the stuff on the physio balls uh what's the what's the what are we looking at neurologically there like what's what is the overload right because i think a lot of people look at the marvin marinovich stuff and and I'm, I'm fortunate to have had a couple of good people in, in this podcast in my life, like um, John Kiley or David Weck. And, and I think some of the and then just learning about the Marvin Marinovich work and some of those predispositions about. And it is it's like this bias in the community. You step on a, you, you, you touch a BOSU ball or a, a physio ball and, you know, now you're a sissy and you're not training strength. And yeah, you're not, you're not, you know, it, it, you know, that's just the, the thought that exists. So anyways, can you talk a little bit more about your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to say there's a million and one dumb things you can do with proprioceptive training, BOSU balls, what's what's sort of all the reasons why functional training has no meaning anymore. Uh, and nine times out of ten, that is what's happening. However, in when you get someone like a, like a Marv Marinovich, who really like that work in a lot of ways sort of co-paved the way for that functional training movement. However, Marv's was like applied the right way. You know, it, it had 
it wasn't just for the sake of making something awkward or difficult, but it was actually to to train the proprio-spinal process, right? So let's just say like a lot of his footwork where you're on, you know, the, like the pipe work and things like that. Um, and, and also, you know, again, speed of sports work. It's like that is actually training your body's kinesthetic awareness and space. And anytime you're trying a new skill, right? Like, so let's say you take a basketball player and make them throw a baseball. They have to think about it. Um, but the reverse is not true. If they have to go and shoot a free throw, it's, it's that information is already downloaded into their spine. They don't have to think about it. Maybe they just control their breathing if it's in the game and then they're good. So the whole goal is to, to train that, right? So that way that information that gets fed from those like little sensors in your hands and feet doesn't have to go to your brain to get processed and then go all the way back down to react. It just, it's downloaded into the spine, you know, and that's really what a lot of that stuff is about. And then when you take something like the ball work, uh, you're looking at sort of helping the nervous system find a balance between like length and tension and be able to contract and relax in the blink of an eye. You know, as, as you see people get good at it, they're doing it faster and faster and faster. And, and that's the reason for that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, when you, when you see some of his, uh, some of the ball work that we do, it's a little bit more about uh, like it, it's almost like neurophysiologic tuning. And what I mean by that is, you're training these muscles to activate in sequence with one another and, and in synergy rather than, all right, we're going to do our band walks and, and we're going to go do a bunch of things that isolate muscle groups one at a time. And then we're going to go try to put it all together in athletic movements. And there is some merit there, right? Like if a muscle is really shut down, but you also need to synergize them. Otherwise, you're not going to get that peak performance. And I think that's why a lot of people there was this sort of almost like urban legend around it where they're just like, Oh dude, just do that for like six to eight weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, your vertical is going to go up six inches. You're going to raise your athletic ceiling, whatever level you're at. But I think that's, what's going on under the hood. You're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster. Cool. <clears throat> I like that a lot. I like, I always like the illustrations too, or the ideas of, like you mentioned with the basketball and baseball, like, like, and how motor integrams get stuck. It was, um, it was, uh, Rob Gray's podcast, the perception action was talking about just like, basically it was like research with a group of free throw shooters and the people who practice like they've always trained made no improvements. Like there has to be something new added to like the reflex loops. And it, with the same thing with John Kiley talking about co coordination, like there has to be some times where you fail, like every fourth rep you mess up or something like that. And I, I, I have my swimmers doing a lot of the, the ball work. And it's like, it, it's it's almost good if they fall off the ball every now and then. Because I'm like, okay, well, now it's something that's challenging enough for you. Like, because if it was like, we typically think, right, like you said, like we typically think of slow or silly or dumb, like like standing out and doing arm curls or like, <laughs> or, or, or even moving like just, we think of the ball, we think of moving slowly. But if you... And that was, I think, some uh, the area that I unfortunately stopped. I bought the Probot X book when I was 21, and I kind of actually cut off reading it. And it, it's, there's no videos in it, right? So, like, it's hard to see that in action. But mm -hmm. the, the part where it's, like, the advanced athlete stuff where it's unpredictable and it's really fast or variable speeds, I was like, holy cow. I'm reading it again, you know, 15 years later, 14 years later, I'm like, whoa. Like there's a lot of good stuff, and I've even worked with even Nick Kirsten and really seen what he's done. Um, but I, I, so when you guys, so tell me a little bit about like if you're gonna, 
do some of the ball work. What um, just maybe explain a couple exercises that you'd utilize, how you progress them, and what you're trying to uh, see in that. Yeah, so like the the classic sit and reach stretch that you've seen on all of them, and I'm gonna do my best to articulate this without a visual, but you know you're sort of you're sitting on the ball, you come down almost into onto the side of the ball where you're leaning against it, down on your heels and kind of like a squat, like bucket of a squat position sort of, and you have the the hand weights with water in them close to close to the chest and together, almost like handcuffs. And then from there, you're actually bridging the hips, going onto the balls of your feet as your back rolls over, you know, and kind of moves over onto the top of the ball, and you 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 push those two hand weights down the middle, all the way back, stretch all the way out, head back on the ball, and then you angel wing your arms all the way back in a circular motion as your body rolls back to that first spot. So, I mean, just that simple movement right there, that strengthening and stretching all at the same time, that's body control, that's proprioception, kinesthetic awareness. You're, you know, you're, you're on the, the forefoot, right? Which is, that's, uh, translates to athleticism uh, better that way. In addition to that, you're having your whole posterior chain light up. You know, your hips are bridged. Uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, core engagement there. You're, you're actually getting your shoulders to, to open up in sort of like a doorway type stretch like motion at the same time. Uh, meanwhile, you're striking that perfect balance between relaxing and then activation or contraction. And so that's like, you know, the most simple movement and, and it's done slowly yet you can kind of see when you're, and you feel it's more like something that, I mean, people are visual learners, um, auditorial learners, kinesthetic learners. This is one that's everybody just has to do. And then they'll get that kinesthetic sense of it. And you're like, Oh wow. Like this is why I want this in my programming for athletes. Uh, it just, it, it's the, the most relevant I've seen to that. And I'd love to see some 12 week studies with this, but this is kind of where you get into evident marrying evidence-based practice and practice-based evidence. It's like, all right, well, yeah, the studies do say this, but Hey, maybe somebody built a better mousetrap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think a like a true performance study, right. Would help to validate some of those things. But I think we, like, we know like the, the practice is always before the science, before the science you know, comes in and says, wow, this is working really well. Let's set up something that, you know, can, um, can, can demonstrate that. And, Actually, you mentioned that the overhead bridge and reach. I'm like, shoot, I was just having my athletes go back the way they came. I messed that up. I was <laughs> not enough detail in my life right now. I, because I, 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 that's one that I've been using as well. And um, no, I, I, one place that I've, um, I've put those movements in my program, at least for now, is, uh, and I'm going through Derek Evely's course and the Bondarchuk course. And the you have your competitive exercise, you have your special developmental, special prep, and then the bottom is like the G, the general developmental. And I'm just making all my develop my developmentals those like instead of for now mm -hmm. I'm like the majority yeah. the vast majority and I'm like what a better I can't think of a better way to do general developmental exercises for the body like there's tons of variability you're really you know all the planes of the body it's 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 awesome I'm not saying it couldn't be some of the other ones too I think maybe Marv got that out of the machines uh, like the you're talking about like the super cat and those types of things but yeah yeah absolutely I mean and even a super cat like that. That's just training proper squat mechanics too. I think that are more athlete and just those. A lot of those things are just it's more biomechanically elegant movements. And a lot of times, force like sports is about force vectors, and it's about being able to project force in the right movements. And if you're 
yeah, there, there's a lot of value in the machine work as well. There are a lot of other coaches out there who have the machines and it's not <laughs> the programming and the science. It's not the same. It's not mm-hmm. high clip, but at the same time with the right mind, those things can be incredibly valuable. You know, the, the power machines, the isokinetic machines, uh, and I'm not talking about the rehab isokinetic machines. Um, I'm talking about kind of the, the modified ones, okay. but all that stuff too, for sure. You're right. What uh, what kind of percentage? Obviously, it's different for every athlete, right? And totally different from where they're at. If they're a reconditioning, high performance, what age, what level? But what what kind of percentage is some of these movements like making up in like a standard program of yours? Like like barbell work, uh, work on the ball, work on machines, isometrics. Um, what what kind of place? What piece of the pie is a lot of these things taking in in your? And obviously, it's different. You know, I, I, it's hard to to make it. You know, say what is this what is the ultimate program right but what kind of general piece of the pie are a lot of these things uh, making up in your program yeah i'll try not to give a politician's answer Uh, (laughs) so things like the ball work and like footwork like a lot of the remediation stuff that can turn into general development stuff as you put it that stuff is like you know more in the prehab and warm-up and then a lot of that is there some some oscillation of it is going to be there in the beginning of most workouts right and so I guess what 100, almost 100% of all the warmups will feature stuff like that. Percentage-wise, I guess that's you know maybe 10% of the workout, or 15% of the workout, something like that. Um, barbell work, you know, that's that's still up there. I mean, obviously, it's much bigger in more like some of the Gen Pop people I work with. Uh, but for the athletes, I mean, that's that's still there. It's I don't know how to put a percentage on it necessarily, but it's it's there and it's there most weeks. Um, depending on the sport, that'll sort of determine how much it is going to oscillate towards some of this more like these power machines versus the actual barbells themselves. But it's a healthy dose of both. I would say a lot of that's maybe 30 something to 40 something ish sounds, sounds about right. And then, you know, the rest of that, a lot of it's going to be allocated towards me also got to do, uh, Prehab, or excuse me, rehab. So right, that's like the offloading. That's going to take up a small percentage, and then the rest is going to be more like sport-specific stuff, plyometric movements. Uh, what what can we do to actually develop those same movements they're going to see in the sport itself? Cool, man. Yeah, no, I have no idea if those percentages add up. To, <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I would probably yeah. skip some percentages myself, and then look at my program later, and I'd be like, wait a second, like no, that was kind of an on-the-spot. Um, no, it's uh, I, I guarantee I wouldn't get my percentages to add up if you had asked me that question on the spot. So, but it's it's awesome to see what you're doing with that. And actually, you mentioned the ball work and the warm up too. And I'm like, shoot, that would be a great place for it too. I have it just kind of at the end right now, but I, I have oh, used man. it. Yeah, do it in the beginning. It'll it'll really tune them. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I've done a little bit. Like I've done like that one time just with the coworkers, just for fun. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But I, I need to do that more often. Actually, like it could be. Yeah, good room for experimentation thoughts i'll have to put a couple uh ball in, uh, exercises in the show notes but uh hey matt it's it about all the time i got for today a uh, really cool training talk though i, I just love I, I love sitting down chatting with you learning from you and um you've given me some awesome ideas on ways to adjust and and just look at afresh uh, some of the things that i'm doing and i think it'll help a lot of people out so thank you for your time today of course yeah i learned a ton from your podcast too you're never done being a student and i hope i I walked a fine line between, you know, an enthusiastic geek that got people excited about this, but also articulated it in a way where most people can take some practical downloads and insights um, long term.
All right, thanks for tuning in for another episode. 121 is in the books. Uh, appreciate your listenership as always. If you enjoy what we're doing, sh- uh, head over to iTunes or if you're on iTunes on your phone, right? Uh, leave us a rating or review. Totally would appreciate that. Also, big thanks to our sponsor, SimplyFaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, and they have been a longtime supporter of this show, and they are doing great things in the athletic and sports performance space, as well as selling some of the best of in each sports tech category, so free lap timing system, uh, which I use that thing like nearly every week, and I love it. Uh, you got the K-Box, Gym Aware, 1080 Sprint, lots of great stuff there. So check them out. We'll see you guys back again with another great guest next week. Have a good one.